If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 20. I want to encourage you, um, if you don't have a Bible, see me. We'll get you a Bible. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm a, if you walk in my office, you'll see I've got multiple paper Bibles laying out, different translations, but that's just who I am. I, I, I have the Bible app on my phone, but I do. I just love the authenticity of the Word of God. I love, I love holding the Word of God. I read out of the Word of God. And here's the reason why, this is my reason why, I'm just sharing this with you. Because I found out, though I can read my Bible on this, this also doesn't just inform me what God says. It informs me of every person that comments on my status. Come on. It informs me of every person that needs me and is pulling on me and is texting me or calling me. It, affor- it informs me of any time that my kids need me because they have their tablets and they text me and they'll send me little videos of dad watch this puppy in this basket. And you know, while all that's really cute and really cool, I don't like it when I'm trying to hear from God. And in a world that we live in that is in full of distractions, let me tell you something that is so cool about this book. You do not need to slide a button to no notifications. You do not need to put it on do not disturb. If you'll walk away from that thing for a few minutes, I promise you, God will speak to you. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me or turn your phones on to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 4. Let's read it together. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Come on, let's read it one more time. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Somebody shout this in the house tonight. I got victory. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that your word is going to speak. It's alive. It's a two-edged sword. God, we thank you for what it will do in this house tonight. Word of God, speak. Let us hear, not just hearing, but heeding, not just heeding, but walking in what your word says. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. I want to come to you tonight with a a foundational teaching because while we're in the midst of a massive explosion of church growth, my heart is grieved uh, for the lack of our discipleship. And so while, uh, while discipleship is keen, it's hard to disciple a body in the case of masses. So I wanted to take tonight and I wanted to break down and preach to you, teach you a, 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 a concept of the believer that you must grasp. If you're going to walk in this walk of faith, you must grasp the concept in which I'm going to teach on tonight. And I will tell you in the vision that there is things ahead that we are developing and where we are working behind the scenes, even in discipleship-minded classes, some things that are happening, some people that, that are uh, a part of our ministry are even going to become more a part to oversee those things so that we can steward properly what God is entrusting to us. But tonight, if I can have 30 minutes of your time, I want to just teach. I want to talk to you. I want to expound to you through the scriptures on how to walk in victory. Because I want you to understand something. Many believers do not understand the significance that Jesus did not just die But he died and then he was in the grave and while he was there he defeated death, hell and the grave and he didn't just stay in the grave and he didn't just descend into Shiloh or hell. He didn't just grab the keys but he who descended also ascended and now he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for us but he didn't just die on the cross. He didn't just get buried in the grave and he didn't just rise again for salvation. He did it also for your victory. And the church has grasped the concept of salvation. We love the idea that we're saved by the blood of Jesus. We love the idea of the the cross of Calvary and what it's done. The justification uh, and the redemption of uh, of our souls. But the amazing part is, is Jesus didn't just die on the cross for us to be saved, but he did it and then defeated death, hell, and the grave so that while you're here waiting on his arrival, you can walk in victory. 
There is no such thing as a beat up believer. I'm going to confront this woe is me mentality of people that get saved and then want to poke their lip out. The only reason why you poking your lip out is because you ain't opened up your B-I-B-L-E and you haven't received the word of the Lord in your life to tell you the measure of victory you should be walking in. Ephesians, 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 Ephesians 1. I want you to understand something. There is no such thing as beating believers where you're beaten and defeated and the only way that you cannot have victory. You ready? There's only one way that you cannot have victory and that is that you are not his. If you're not his, then you have the entitlement. If you're not his, then you have the right. If you're not his, then you can get the t-shirt that says you do not have the victory. But if you're a blood-bought child of God, if you've come to the knowledge and repentance of Jesus Christ and his kingship, if you have humbled yourself and carried your cross, then you have victory as a child of God. You're not the defeated. You're not being trampled on. The devil's not on your back. He's under your feet. I get sick of Christians talking the devil's really on my back why is he on your back if he's on your back it's because you told him to hop on for a piggyback ride because as a blood bought believer of the child of God the devil will never be on my back the devil will never be above me the devil will never make me do anything he is under my feet he said I've given you all and authority to trample on scorpions and serpents. In other words, the serpents under your feet. And so as Bible-believing Christians, we have to understand the proximity of our adversary. But yet even more than that, the dominion and the authority of the believer. You want to hear more on that? Then come Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make some of the gray-haired people in this room shout. I've been reading some, what you would know is Pop Hagen, and he wrote this book called The Believer's Authority. Come on, somebody. I told you they'd shout. I told you they'd shout. My God. You want to know more about it? You better come Sunday. <laughs> Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1. This is the precursor for Sunday's message. Ephesians 1 and 17. Watch this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he says these words, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And then he goes on to say, and it is incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, what power? The power that has been given to us who believe, all right? I need you to track this thing. That power is the same as the mighty strength or mighty power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm. Woo, my God, I'm about to run and shout. Watch this, watch this. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, who, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I got, I, I, I got, to, I, I got to teach. I got to teach. I got to talk. Y'all got me really loud on the house. You're going to hurt their eardrums. Listen, 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 listen. So the same power See, everybody loves the idea of resurrected Jesus. But you know what I really love? Is he's not just resurrected Jesus. Paul would go on to say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
Watch this. He's not just resurrected Jesus. He's living inside of me, Jesus. And if the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, let me tell you something, then that means that you've got resurrection power inside of you. That means that you may get down, but you better not count me out because I'm coming back up. That means that I may trip, I may stumble, I may fall, but don't you take the check to the bank just yet because it ain't over till God says it's over and what we have to realize is that same spirit that power is alive in us now watch this the Bible says that he took Christ and seated him in heavenly realms everybody say that the spirit of Jesus is in the heavenly realms but watch this but now the spirit of Jesus is also in us. So watch, watch, watch. My God, you got to catch this. I got a lot to teach in a short time to get there. So Jesus is seated in heavenly realms. But Jesus' spirit is also in me. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So preacher, how do you have victory? How do you walk in authority? How do you know that you know that you know? Well, because the one who lives inside me is not just inside of me. He's also seated in heaven from which he rules and which he reigns. The earth is the footstool that he is seated on his throne. So while Jesus is in heaven, he's also inside of me. And when you begin to understand that your God is omnipresent and he's everywhere all the time, then you begin to understand that when he sat down on his throne, he sat down in victory. He sat down as a king that had just come back from war. He sat down and as the prophet would say that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And I cried, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. And I saw the angel take the coal from the altar and touch my lips. The train of his robe the depth of his victory. See, because you have to understand customary in times of kings that any time a king would overthrow another kingdom, he would take, watch this, woo, he would take that king and he would take his crown and he would cut the robe off of that king. And then he would take the robe and have his servants tie it onto his robe. And it was, come on brides, it's called the train. And when, when the prophet said, and I saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple, the reason why the train of his robe filled the temple was not just because the kingdom of God is so big. It's not because the kingdom of God is so mass. It's because he defeated death, hell, and the grave in every kingdom in the realm of the earth. Every dominion had to bow down. And when Jesus defeated it, he snatched the robe and tied it to his. And if you read your Bible, you'll find out that he is the king with many crowns. Crowns upon crowns upon his head. Why? Because he wears the crowns of every kingdom he's already overthrown. Why is his train of his robe so long? Because he's already tied. The, watch this. Where the kingdom of depression was ruling in your life, Jesus kicked the door in, ripped the robe off, tied it to his, and said, now nah, you're going to bow to my authority. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. It's eight o'clock, y'all ready for a salad somewhere. There's three things though, I want you to know, three things that'll cripple your victory, you ready? That we can grasp from, from this in Ephesians one. He says this, watch, he says, and I keep asking in May, the spirit of, watch this, he said, he said, the glorious father, I'm in verse 17, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What's the first thing that will cripple your, your victory? You ready? The first thing that will cripple, cripple your victory is the lack of revelation. Amen. Let me tell you why believers do not walk in victory. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, anything you ask, you shall. Not you can, 
not you might, not that I want you to, not if. He said, if you abide in me. The only contingency is if you abide in him and if his word abides in you. And then he said, if you meet the two prerequisites of if you are in me and my word is in you, then anything you ask, you shall receive. And you shall have whatever things you say you shall have. And the reason why believers do not walk in victory is because one of two things. They lack the revelation of them being in him and him in them and his word being alive inside of their lives. Have you ever thought the reason why you don't have time to read the Bible is because if you ever read the Bible, you might find out who you really are? Have you ever thought that maybe the enemy has convinced the fact that if he can just keep you busy, that if he can just keep you occupied, he'll give you a girlfriend, he'll give you a boyfriend, he'll give you a really good job with a really good paycheck. If I can just keep them busy, they'll never find out who they are. And if they'll never find out who they are, then they'll never walk in the authority. Jesus. The second thing, I gotta hurry. The second thing that we have to realize, the second thing that will cripple your victory is the lack of, of knowing him. What did he say? He said that I pray, I pray, I pray. Let me go back into verse 17. May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Somebody say know him better. If I don't know him, then I can't be like him. And if I can't be like him, then I can't walk in the authority that he's given me. Come on, somebody. Have you ever thought the reason why you're not walking in victory is not because God's not as powerful as he said he is. It's because you haven't taken him as serious as he told you to. Have you ever thought the reason maybe why you haven't seen the victory is not the insufficiency of the God that you serve, but it's the lack of your commitment to know him. The third thing that I want to tell you on, on what will cripple your victory. So the first is that there's a lack of revelation. The second, that there's a lack of knowing him. But you ready for this? It says this, and that the power, I pray that the eyes of your heart, excuse me, I'm going back into verse 18. And I pray that the eyes of your heart and may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you. The third thing that will cripple your victory, you ready for this, is the lack of discernment. The reason why believers do not walk in victory is because of lack of discernment. They lack in revelation, they lack in knowing him, and then they lack in discernment. Somebody shout lack attack. Lack attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, in order to walk in victory, let me tell you something, passivity has to die. And as I was in prayer over this word, God began to show me passivity is a spirit. Matter of fact, I want to show you, don't think that you don't have passivity because I want you to see it. If y'all can, show the definition of what the great uh, uh, voice of Webster tells us that passivity is. You ready? It means an acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance. Let me talk to the person that's been laying down and just taking your licking from the devil. Oh, I'm coming tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me talk to the person that you think ever since you got saved, life is supposed to just be hard and you're supposed to just accept it. Oh, it's quiet in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I have warred through seasons. I have fought through seasons. But I also know that it is not my job to be in spiritual warfare all the time. That there is a place that I can enter in him through the revelation of who he is. And knowing the power of his might. And be able to discern the proper seasons. That I know when to sit down and take my rightful place and walk in the victory he's already won. Passivity is a spirit, and it will kill you. It will kill you. 
Passivity will kill you. It will kill your relationships. It will kill your home. It will kill your marriage. It will kill your ministry. If you just sit back and accept whatever happens and you do not activate the victory in which Christ has already purchased for you to have, if you just sit back and act and do nothing at all, let me tell you something. At some point, you will have to properly discern that what you are under is a spiritual attack. There has to come a time as a believer that you, you realize that you... Let me tell you something. The spirit of bullying... The enemy operates in a spirit of bullying. Let me tell you something. When I was in school, I'm not bragging on my sins, so y'all forgive me, pray for your pastor. But when I was in school, I bullied the bullies. That's who I was. If I seen you bullying some kid, I, I'd square off and hit you in the head and knock you out and everybody would laugh. Because one thing I couldn't stand was a bully. One thing I couldn't, come on, I'm coming tonight. One thing I couldn't stand was some punk that saw somebody that wasn't as tough as he was and began to push him around to make himself feel stronger. Well, let me speak spiritually because some of us allow the enemy to come in and push our marriage around, push our home around, and then we sit by and don't do nothing about it. God's looking for some people that will fight the spirit of passivity and square off on the enemy. We cannot sit by saying we have the victory, but not walking in it. So how do you walk in victory? Let me tell you something. You're as sick as the secrets you'll keep. How do you walk in victory? You're as sick as the secrets you'll keep. I'm talking to the believer right now that everybody asks you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. I'm talking to the believer that they carry their Bible under their arm, but they put their pipe out in the parking lot. I'm talking to the believer that you have to douse yourself in perfume before you get to church because you don't want them to smell the weed on you when you get here. See, I'm talking to the person that says they have victory, but they do not walk in it. And what I want you to understand is that you can never walk in victory until you, refu until you refuse to allow passivity in your life and you got to deal with the devils that are in the darkness. Because you're only as sick as the secrets you'll keep. In other words, those things that you want to keep hidden, you got to go in and grab them. My daddy always told me mold can only grow in the dark, son. And so there's some things you need to open the blind zone. There's something, yeah, 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 yeah. There's some things you need to open the door on. There's some things you need to turn the light on. Because when you do, it will kill the mold. I hear you, Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something about mold. Let me tell you something about mold. Do you know that black mold can get in your lungs and it can affect your breathing? Let me tell you what black mold will do. Black mold will give you a cough. Black mold will change the way you talk. See, and let me speak to some people that you've allowed mold in your life and now you're wondering why you don't breathe the way you used to breathe and you don't talk the way you used to talk and now you got a cough in the spirit that when you try to catch your breath, you feel like you can't catch your breath. You need to turn the light on. You'll never walk in victory until you deal with the things that you've kept in the dark. All right. I got 14 more points. <laughs> quickly. And I don't, there ain't no way I can do it quickly, but I want to give you four steps. Ready? I'm going to give you four steps on how to walk in victory. The first thing that you have to do, I've kind of already dealt with in, in how you don't have victory, but now I want to talk to you about how you do. The first step that you have to take in walking towards victory is you have to, you have to discern. 
Write that word down, discern, if you're taking notes. What is discernment? Let me tell you what discernment is. If you're going to walk in victory, you've got to have 20-20 vision in the spirit. What is discernment? Discernment is the ability. The Bible says it this way, that he gives gifts, and one of those gifts is even the discerning of spirits. And then we find out that even biblically that the discerning of spirits worketh prophecy. In other words, I can be in a room and I can begin to sense and feel what's happening in people's lives. And if I'm spiritually in tune enough and discerning enough, I can reach out in the spirit. I can grab something that the Bible declares in 1 Corinthians 14 as a word of knowledge or a word of faith. And I can release that thing with, with, with sniper accuracy. But if you're going to walk in victory, you got to walk in discernment. In other words, you got to be able to not just see the serpent, but quit listening to him. Let me tell you what walked Adam and Eve out of the garden besides their disobedience, the lack of discernment. If they would have been able to discern who she was talking to. See, you got to be able to determine where the real battle is and what are just mere distractions. Not everything deserves your time and definitely not every tongue deserves your ear. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There is one thing that I've learned in this season where it seems that so many desire to have my ear, where counsel is a great thing, motives matter. Oh, y'all didn't know? Well, hey. Pulling my boots up. In a season, this is one thing I've learned in the season of a transitioning ministry. While the Bible tells me in Proverbs that in the, in the counsel of many, a man's plans are established. That a fool despises correction. That wise is the man who, who looks for and adheres to counsel. In a season, while so many people want to have my ear, I am also letting you know that I am discerning enough to know that motives matter. And everybody that wants your ear does not deserve it. And if you're going to walk in victory, you got to learn to discern who deserves your ear. Y'all sit in your lap, or you're sitting your head in Delilah's lap and calling her David. I, I don't know. It started with a D. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm serious. We live in a day and an age because people can sound like a preacher. People, people that just sit online and listen to everything because they can hoop and they can, and they can holler and they can, they can jump and they can spit when they talk. And, and you don't know, but they spit in doctrines of demons. You better discern. If there's ever a day, you better discern. You better discern now. So much of life is dealing with relationships and people. But if you're going to walk in victory, you've got to have discernment. Philippians 1.9, matter of fact, listen to what Philippians 1.9 says. It says, and this is my prayer, Philippians 1.9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and the depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Let me tell you something. This is my prayer, that you would be able to discern. If you're gonna walk in victory, not everybody that demands your ear deserves it. Not every voice that sounds familiar can have access to your life if you're going to walk in victory. It's quiet in the house of the Lord, but I don't care. I'll kick the devil in the teeth and smile while I do it. The second thing that I want you to know, the second way that you're gonna walk in victory, so the first thing is you have to be able to discern. The second thing is, is you, and, and let me give you this. This is just a side note. How do you discern? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And he said, the voice of a hireling they will not follow. I was recently listening to a podcast and I had to stop because I wanted to listen to who the, who the voice, who was the guy that was speaking on, on the podcast because I'd never heard his voice before. And I wanted to write his name down so I could look up some of his other stuff. 
But as I was doing that, I did that, and then a, a month or two went by, and I had listened a couple more times to his stuff, and I was riding down the road, and I was listening on the radio, and all of a sudden, a guy started speaking. I said, man, that's so-and-so, and I named his name. And when the radio show transitioned, they gave his name. What am I telling you? That because I had acquired a sound of his voice, and I knew who it was, that when I heard his voice again, didn't nobody have to tell me who it was? I could tell them who it was. Oh, come on. So how do you acquire discernment? You will not know the voice of God unless you spend time with the voice of God. A lot of people listening to a devil and calling it Jesus because they ain't spent no time in his word. I ain't got time for all that teaching. My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a hireling they will not follow. The second way that you'll walk in victory is you got to determine this. You ready? Write this down. The first is discernment. The second is determine. You got to determine God is for you. If you are going to walk in victory as a believer, you got to get this thought out of your head that God is sitting in heaven, and every time you mess up, he puts another strike in the board. And then he looks at his angels. He's like, I'm telling you, if he hits 10, I'm going down there and I'm taking his life. That's some of y'all's picture of God. Don't you know that the Bible, the word of God says that he's long suffering. He's slow to anger. God is not sitting on his throne. And every time you mess up, he's looking to take your life from you. Let me tell you something. God's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't think you're a piece of trash. He loves you with all of his heart. He is madly in love with you. He is obsessed with you. So much so he's numbered the number of hairs on your head. Yeah, there's scriptures that say, don't fear man who can take your body, but fear him who can take your body and cast your soul into hell. Yes. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. But I do not love God from a place of fear. I love him. And because I'm madly in love with him and I realize who he is, I live reverently in fear of him. It's more along the lines of, oh my gosh. You're my God, you're my king. And I'm amazed more on the fact that he even invited me into this relationship than anything. But if you're gonna live in victory, you gotta get that stinking thinking out of your head and realize God is for you. He is not against you. Matter of fact, the Bible would go on to tell us, I gotta read this whole scripture. It's great. Y'all get mad, whatever. We're gonna, you, one thing you won't be able to say is I, I preached the Bible tonight. You're going to say he preached Bible scripture after Bible scripture after Bible scripture. Romans 8 and 28. We, a lot of times in the church we read this, but I'll be honest with you. When I was reading this, studying for this message, I couldn't stop at 28. I couldn't stop at 29. I couldn't stop at 30. I couldn't even stop at 31. And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Watch this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He's talking about Jesus. You got a big brother, y'all. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. Now verse 31. And what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I, 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 would need, I would need a whole month to break this scripture down in the context. But this is what I want you to know. That if you love God, then God is causing all things to work together for your good. And he's causing it to work together for your good because he foreknew you. Before you knew you, before your mama knew you, before your daddy knew you, he told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I made you and I knit you together. But then he does this incredible thing. He says, in those whom he foreknew, he predestined. 
Go back into that. Predestined, verse 29. Verse 29, verse 30, where is it? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, watch this, to be conformed. Now watch this. He took Jesus. Oh, I got to teach. Are y'all all right? I mean, if y'all want to go home, you can go. I, I got to preach this either way. He said, for those that he predestined, he conformed to the image of a son. This is what I want you to understand about conforming. Transforming is you take an image and you mold it into something. Conform is that you have a mold. And then you take a pliable substance and you put it around. Matter of fact, here, a cast is conformed to your leg when you break it. So what God said is that he went and predestined you. In other words, he turned you in the correct geographical location for destiny and he released you and he put the mold of his son before you that as you began to walk, you began to form around him that you would not just look, uh, that you would not just uh, uh, look like the Bible alive, but the Bible would be alive in your life and you would start to look like Jesus. That you would walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, love like Jesus, have compassion like Jesus. Because you're being conformed into the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now this is the part i got to break down. Verse 30, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Watch this. Rodney, come here, come here, come here, come here, come on, quick. These people want to go. They're in a hurry. Rodney was walking his life this way. But God said, man, I know Rodney. I love Rodney. I'm for Rodney. So what he did is before Rodney could get any of his free will really activated in destruction, God did this. He turned Rodney and he said, hey, Rodney, there's your destiny. And now as we see Romans 8, he does this, watch. Hey, Rodney, come here. Come here, Rodney. Come here. Come here. And then he called. And when he called him, the Bible says, then he justified him. In other words, he ripped the garments of his sin off him. He put a robe of righteousness on him. And then he put a crown on his head that those whom he justified, he also glorified. Give Rodney a hand. He's preaching tonight, y'all. Come on. Jesus. I, gotta, I, I was going all the way to verse 37, but I can't because y'all got to go. 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 Go read all the way to verse 37 sometimes tonight before you go to, go to bed. Watch Psalms 91. God is for you. Somebody say, God is for you. How do you walk in victory? You got to know God is for you. Psalms 91 and verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. Let's make the religious people that watch our broadcast really mad. Y'all sit down right there because we're about to make you really mad. Let me talk to the person tonight that you had a revelation of Jesus at some point in your life and you can look back in your life and you were high and you were drunk and you were riding down a road and that was the night that you know you should have died. And if you would have died, you would have died in your sin and you would have died and you would have went to a devil's hell. But you now know that he put his angels to be in charge over you. Watch this. To keep you in all of your ways. In your sinful ways. In your hateful ways. In your, come on, in your rebellious ways. I don't know about you, but I serve the God. I serve a God that kept me in all of my ways. He didn't just keep me when I was living for him. He kept me when I was backsliding. He kept me when I was lying. He kept me when I wasn't living any kind of way for him. Let me tell you something. God is for you. God is for me. How can you say that? Because my God, my life is living proof of it. I wouldn't be here if God wasn't for me. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. The third way, the third way that you'll walk in victory is you got to decide. You got to discern. You got to discern. You got to. You got to determine. You got to decide. You got to decide. Somebody write that down. You got to determine. You got to decide. Right now, you got to decide. that If you're going to live in victory, then you have to realize not just discerning, not just determining that God is for you, but you have to decide to live in victory. Many people do not live in the victory because they simply have bought into the lie. There's people right now that are Bible-believing, blood-bought children of God, and this is the profession of your mouth. Something has got to give. Let me tell you something, brother. If you're there, you're living under the measure of which Christ died for you to live in. 
You have agreed to a standard that Jesus did not want you to live in. All right, I, I'm telling you, it's fine. Let me tell you something. If you're going to walk in victory, you have to decide enough is enough. Nothing happens until you decide, and you will never decide until you realize that your pain level is greater than your comfort level. Some of you wondering why, why life is so bad. I'll tell you why life is so bad. Because you refuse to decide, you refuse to, to come into agreement that you're tired of living the way that you're living. And as long as you're in agreement with it, you're under contract with it. And as long as, he said, if any two shall touch and agree. I ain't got time to teach on that either. Some of y'all in agreement with things and things are bound over your life. And the only reason why is because you've said yes to it. I got to go. I got to go. Joshua 24, talking about decisions. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable, come on, Brooke, you can come on. Worship team, whatever. Come up here and just make them think we're closing. I got another 30 minutes. That'll make them all calm down though. They'll calm down seeing y'all come. They'll calm down. Come on. Joshua 24 and 15, talking about decision to walk in victory. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, We're going to serve the Lord. What did Joshua say? Make a decision. What did the prophet Elijah say to the 450 prophets of Baal? How long will you waver between two opinions? What did the Bible say? That a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What am I telling you tonight? You got to make up your mind. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it may look like in seasons we're getting our tails kicked. And it may look like in seasons that the dust is flying and the, and the elbows are being thrown. But I can promise you this. God is for me. I can promise you this. God is for you. The last thing that I want to tell you and how you walk in victory is that if you're going to walk in victory, you got to learn to declare. you got to discern you got to determine God is for you. you got to decide that you're going to follow God regardless of it. And the last thing that you're going to do if you're really going to walk in victory is you've got to declare. I'm not going to Psalms or Proverbs 18 yet. I want to go to Psalms 19, verse 14. Share this scripture with you. This says this. May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Watch this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, watch this, may the words that I'm saying, may what's coming out of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. I've said this so many times, but I gotta say it again. Let me hear your words and I'll show you your world. That statement is engrafted in the DNA of Dominion Church. We've been crucified publicly for a declaration over our offering, but you know what? I can't back up on something when I see the blessing of God on it. Nor can I deny when I can prove it scripturally that in Proverbs 18 and 21 that he said there is power of life and death in the tongue. And watch this, but those who love it will eat its fruit. Let me tell you something. Why aren't you walking in victory? I'll tell you why. Because you're talking about how bad life is all the time. Why isn't your marriage good? Because you walk around, you say things like this. My marriage sucks. I don't like my wife. She's mean. She's this. You curse her. Why do you think she is the way she is? Because you have the power of life and death in your tongue and you're constantly cursing the thing that God said that when you find it, you find a good thing and you obtain favor. My God, I feel it. You obtain favor from the Lord. 
You're cursing the very thing that God said you were blessed to have. Some of you are miserable. You're in anxiety. You're in fear. And the reason why is because you're talking into life. You better be careful what you say if you're going to walk in victory. You better be mindful of your words because the Bible tells me you'll eat whatever you say. I'm going to make him eat his words. You don't have to. God said I would. If you're going to walk in victory, you have to learn not just the power of your words, but the power of his. Hebrews 11 and 3 said this, that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Genesis 1, God would step on the scene of the grand display of what we would know as creation, this great big old earth that we're standing on today. And the Bible says that he would stand and he would say, let there be. And it was, and Hebrews would record it, that by faith we know that the worlds were framed by his word. What am I telling you? That God took something that could not be seen. That's what the scripture will go on to say. So that the things which are not made. Of, uh, w- w- so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You can't, ooh, come on. You can't see my words. But you will. I'm in a moment. I'm in an atmosphere right now of living proof. I'm seeing the word of God. And as it's preached, I'm watching it begin to conform. I'm watching it begin to transform. I'm watching it change homes. I'm watching it affect marriages. I'm watching it change lives. I'm watching it break addiction. I'm watching it save souls. You can't see. You can't see. But you will. So watch this. God took his words and built what we could see. So how do you walk in victory? You got to declare. You got to declare the word of God. You got to declare. Psalms 119 and 105 said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As I studied this scripture, this is what the spirit of God said to me. And I'm done. I promise you, you can stand. This will even make you feel like you're leaving even sooner. Come on, stand. Stand, come on, stand. Some of you scared because you're like, my God, he's going to close 10 more times. And I'm going to be standing now. All y'all that are sitting on your couch, you better be thankful you stayed home tonight and watched it on live. Watch this. This is what the Spirit of God spoke to me, Psalms 119, 105. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and to my path. Shut the lights off in here, Corey. This is what the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, marathons are never ran at night. I said, why, God? He said, because nobody wants to run in the dark. And then he asked me this question. He said, but why is it that my sons and daughters want to run in the Spirit in the dark? Why is it that they're okay running without the light of my word? Paul said that we would run this race of faith. Church, why are you okay running in the dark? You would never ask somebody to turn out all the lights so you can go running through a room, but you will continuously keep the light of God's word off and you will run towards your destiny. Don't you know that if you do that, you'll never walk in victory. You'll keep stumbling. You'll keep falling. You'll keep knocking your shins. You'll keep getting beat up because you keep bumping into things. But David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet for my darkened path. It's when we open the word of God, his light begins to shine in our lives. I've got scriptures for you to declare, but I'm not going there. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13 said, No temptation has overtaken you except for what is, is common to man. But God is faithful who will, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with temptation, he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. John 16 and 33 said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 John 1 and 9 said, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if you're gonna walk in victory you have to discern you have to determine God is for you you have to decide that you're following him no turning back and lastly you gotta declare not just your word but his to the person that's here tonight and you love Jesus, but the devil is handing, handing you your tail. Come to this altar right now. Come, 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 come. I know you're here. Thank you. Come on. You're saying, God, I don't want to do what's wrong anymore. God, I want to live for you, God. Why? Why is it, God? Why is it, God? Why is it? I want to do what's right. I want to live for you, God. I'm tired of wavering between two opinions. I'm tired of saying I love you, but living a life that doesn't look like it. God, I don't want to walk in defeat anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew y'all were here tonight because he loves you. Because he loves you and he's for you and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you and he's running after you and he sent me here tonight with this message because he's so in love with you that he said, Kyle, go and sound the alarm. There's more of you that are here tonight. The truth of it is, is there some of you that you've come into agreement with the spirit of passivity? and you think it's just your job to get beat up on all the time and you're okay and you're not making any change you're not planting your feet you're not standing firm you're just laying down and let the enemy run through whatever area of your life you need to come out of agreement with that spirit of passivity tonight let me tell you the other person that's here you got to decide there's people right here on the sound of my voice you you're wavering between two opinions and I just, I hear Elijah tonight that if God be God, then follow him. If God be God, then follow him. How long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you want to be with God, but then you want to be with the world? How long? I don't know about you, but I want to walk in victory. Pastors, fivefold ministry leaders, if you will come, let's begin to pray with these that are on this altar. Let's ask them tonight if they know Jesus. If they don't, let's lead them to Jesus. Let's tell them about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. I want you to know you cannot have victory apart from him. If you're here tonight and you don't know him, come. Come to this altar. This is the time. This is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Whosoever will, let him come. Come, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Oh, whoever will, let him come.